0: The rest of you can turn to Psalm chapter 18, Psalm 18, all right, let me say a quick prayer for us as we begin to hear from the Lord through his word, Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you that you took the time, lots of time, uh, to put it into words, to put it into scripture so that we might be able to hear from you thousands of years later. Lord, would your word change us? Would you change us? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have you ever given someone a gift? I'm talking about real thoughtful, put a lot of thought, you know, you went to the Hallmark store and picked out a card or uh, you know, one of the local stores and and picked out a gift that you thought this person would really appreciate, really enjoy, and that person receives that gift and then they throw it away. I have a confession to make this morning. I'm that person. I'm the person that sometimes uh, I'll receive a gift and I, I just don't want it. And so the day after Christmas, there's a pile for savers. Uh, or uh, a pile for the guild. My, my sister bought me a nice, like, gap, like, baby blue sweater that had orange stripes and black stripes and white stripes, something you can really visualize me wearing up here. And it was within a week, and I took it to our local donation shop, our local charity store. Now, I'm that kind of person, and I confess that. But my wife is the exact opposite. You could take a stick Duct tape a rock to it, put it in a gift bag and give it to her and she would treasure it. I'm just joking. That's an exaggeration. But <laughs> she's, she's much better at receiving gifts no matter what the quality than I am. I appreciate her because of it. So if you're the type of person that doesn't know how to receive a gift, I think there's something that we need to think about from God's word this morning because oftentimes God gives us gifts that we throw away. God gives us things like patience. He brings life circumstances uh, circumstances into our life that causes us to grow in patience. And we say, no, God, I don't want that gift. I'll let someone else have that. I'll donate that. Or, or, or what about brokenness, dependency upon God? Man, I do not want that gift, Lord. I do not want dependency upon God. Or what's the worst one? Humility. Man, God, don't give me that gift. I certainly do not need any more humility. So today, as we're looking at Psalm 18, we're talking about how we can develop a heart attitude of gratefulness, of thankfulness for all the gifts that God gives us, for patience, for humility, for long-suffering. How can we be grateful to those gifts that God Brings into our life even when we don't really want them. How can we have this heart attitude? Today we're looking at Psalm chapter 18. Uh, psalm chapter 18 is a psalm of thanksgiving, a psalm of gratefulness. It's, it was composed by King David. Uh, he lived uh, almost 3,000 years ago. Uh, and he, he composed this poem, this psalm at a period in his life of gratefulness, of thankfulness. Uh, He was at the height of his power. He had just defeated his enemy, King Saul, King David, and and, and King King Saul were enemies. And he's defeated him. And now he's king over Israel, the the United Kingdom uh, of Judah and Israel. And he's at the height of his power. Things are going well. And he writes this psalm of thanksgiving. But in this psalm, as we're going to see, he also looks back and, and sees those hard times that he went through, those, those times of, persever- of perseverance and patience, and, and, and through it all, he learned thankfulness. He learned gratefulness. And what we're going to see from Psalm 18 is that thankfulness to God begins with thankfulness for God. This is what uh, David teaches us from this message that uh, from this passage that thankfulness to God really begins it starts with thankfulness for God. So real thankfulness begins with gratitude to God, with gratitude directly expressed to God. We're going to look at uh, chapter 18 verse 1 in the original Hebrew and actually the title is the is the original verse 1. So we're going to look at the title of the introduction. It says to the choir master, a psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who addressed the words of this song to the Lord on the day when the Lord rescued him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. He said, I love you, O Lord, my strength. Real thankfulness begins with gratitude to God. Now, David not only sang this psalm about God, notice that he sang it directly to God. It says, There in the title, uh, the words of this song, To the Lord, David addressed this song directly to God. He prayed to God. And we see this pattern throughout Scripture. Psalm after psalm after psalm, King David uh, speaks directly to God. He speaks about God plenty throughout the the psalms. But in this psalm, we see him uh, speaking to God. And we see that at the beginning of Psalm chapter 15, verse 1. He says, O Lord, who shall sojourn in your tent? Psalm 16, verse 1, preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. Psalm 17, 1, hear a just cause, O Lord, attend to my cry. And we see it again in 18, verse 1, I love you, O Lord, my strength. Real thankfulness begins with gratitude to God. So I think the the question here, uh, what this psalm is trying to teach us, uh, right here from the very beginning, that it's, it's a good thing to direct our prayers directly to God. Now, if we, we pray about God, that's, that's not a mistake. Uh, but it's, it's like the difference uh, between me walking up to Pastor Dana and saying, I ask that Dana would let me win at basketball. That would be kind of weird. Instead of saying, Dana, would you let me win at basketball? Would you, please? Uh, and sometimes we do that with God. We, we pray something like, uh, I ask that God would give me this and this and this, and I'm thankful to God that he would give me this and this. And, sometimes, and why not just say, Lord, thank you for what you've given me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for the things you give me. And maybe some of you are very good at, at praying directly to God. And so the, the lesson that you need to remember is to pray as if God is actually hearing you. of just kind of talking to yourself like take a moment remember our God is a God who hears us who 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 does listen when we talk to him and we see this uh, throughout Psalm 18 as as David directs his prayer to God as he addresses God real thankfulness begins with gratitude to God thankfulness to God begins with thankfulness for God verses 1 through 3 tell us that real thankfulness also begins with love for God with love for who God is. Verse 1, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and I am saved from my enemies. Real thankfulness begins with love for God. Now, the Psalms were collected, so this book of Psalms was collected over uh, hundreds of years, from about 1300 B.C., time of Moses, uh, through after the exile, 500 B.C. Um, and, it, it, and, and throughout this time, these, these Psalms, uh, different authors, you know, Moses wrote them, David wrote them, but then a scribe would have gone back later and compiled them into the book of Psalms, what we read today, the book of Psalms. And, uh, and it's interesting, you can look, uh, some of the Psalms actually appear in other places in Scripture, and this is one of them. This is Psalms chapter 18, uh, and it actually appears in Second Samuel chapter 22. And it's interesting to go back and forth and read the two different versions and see what's been added or, or edited, uh, because it has a little bit by the scribe, and that's okay, it's a, a fine thing. But actually, verse 1 uh, was not in the original Psalm 22. I love you, O Lord, my strength. And so we ask, well, why was why was that put in there? Not only to parallel, you know, the other chapters, uh, but it was added uh, to really emphasize public worship that the congregation would draw together in worship of God. That together, the whole the whole body of believers, the whole followers of God, would say, "I love you, O Lord, my strength." And this word for love is actually an unusual word in the the original uh, Hebrew usually when we hear about God's like covenant love we we think of the word hesed Uh, we've heard that a couple times uh, here on Sunday morning but this word is the word Ram and that's a it's a rare word for love um, and it expresses intimacy so some other translations of this word some other uses of this word could be like compassion or mercy and so we get we get a picture of tenderness but there's also a picture of intimacy because sometimes this word is translated as maiden or womb. Uh, and so it's a love that's really internal, a love for God uh, that is authentic and that starts on the inside and, and really wants to know God, wants to love God. And this is something that we can all declare. I love you, O Lord. I want to know you from my innermost being. I, I want to have an overwhelming love of you that is soft and intimate. God wants us to love him. God wants us uh, to love him, to worship him. He doesn't want any other gods before him. He wants to be our God that we not only worship, but that we love and adore. And he wants to be worshiped and loved for who he is. What comes right after? I love you, O Lord, my strength. It's a description of who God is. He's our rock. He's our fortress. He's our deliverer. He's my refuge, he's my shield, my horn, my salvation, my stronghold. These are all uh, characteristics of God that uh, show uh, that David trusted God, that he found hope in God, and that he knew that he could trust God, that God is trustworthy and faithful and true. And this is the type of God that we worship. We don't worship a weak God who doesn't care for us. We worship a strong God who loves us and protects us. Real thankfulness begins with love for God. And I think that when we, when we love God, it, it deepens our thankfulness for the things he gives us. Uh, because I am much more thankful for a gift that Monica gives me than I am for a white elephant gift. So if any of you are familiar with the white elephant gift exchange around Christmas time where you all just bring a random gift and usually it's a prank gift, and then someone else uh, gets that gift uh, at random, uh, that, I don't know if you ever walk away saying, wow, I'm really thankful for that old flower pot I got. Uh, that's what happened to me the last time I played. But on the other hand, when someone we know loves us, and we love them, puts a lot of thought uh, into the, the Christmas season or the birthday season, and they get you something that uh, you really enjoy just your love is amplified, your thankfulness is amplified, it's, it's a wonderful thing. I think our love for God helps us appreciate what God gives us. So when we love him, it's easier to receive these gifts of, of patience, of, of humility, of perseverance. And if we remove love out of the equation and we say, well, I don't really love God, uh, but I'm thankful for the things he gives me. You know, when I'm in trouble, I'll, I'll run to him, and I'll pray for him, and I'll get something, and then I just kind of forget about God. Uh, that really creates what I call a vending machine kind of faith, where you just punch in your prayer, uh, and out comes the answer. But then there's, there's nothing deep to that. There's nothing real about that. Well, I have that. Real thankfulness begins with love for God. So the question is, how do we become thankful Where does this, we talk about the origin of thankfulness, it begins with God, gratitude for God, uh, but how does it grow? Well, thankfulness for God comes from needing God. Let's look at verses four through six. Thankfulness for God comes from needing God. The cords of death encompassed me. The torrents of destruction assailed me. The cords of Sheol entangled me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice, and my cry to him reached his ears. Thankfulness to God comes from thankfulness for needing God. It comes from needing God. So King David, if we, we look at King David's uh, life, his experience, uh, he actually had several near-death experiences, uh, so King David, greatest king of Israel, uh, it was a hard journey to getting there. Yes, God chose him, but God took him through many rough and difficult and trying times uh, and some of those trying times were uh, all because of King Saul, who plotted to kill David. David uh, played an instrument in his in his court, and then uh, king david uh, King Saul got jealous of David and and created a plot to kill him. He, he, turned, he tried to turn uh, David's best friend, Jonathan, against him. Uh, king Saul threw a spear uh, at, king, uh, at David before he was king. He, he pursued him throughout the country. King David had to, act, David had to actually go and hide in another land uh, because he was uh, getting chased by Saul. Saul came very close to killing him multiple times. And through this experience, David is learning something that we all need to learn. That we need God. That that we need God. There's not really a complicated way to say it. That we need God. That we're dependent upon him. That without God, we can't make it. And and David learned this. And this is something that we all need to hear. And in verse 6, David uh, expresses this dependency by crying to God. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. Now, at the end of verse 6, it says, and my cry to him reached his ears. Another way of saying this is uh, my cry to him is saying my cry before his face. So my cry came in front of him. So we get this, uh, this image of, of David praying, crying out for God, uh, seeking God, and David's prayer coming before God's face. David's uh, cries. It's right here in the very face of God, uh, and, and what does it say? It says that God hears. So not only does uh, David's concerns, his cries for help, come before God's very face, but they also come before God's ears and God hears. And this should be extremely comforting for us because God hears us as well. When we go through suffering, when we go through trial, uh, when those we love die, When there is a a tragedy in our neighboring town of Westford and our, our classmate passes away unexpectedly, God hears our cries. God hears our pain. God hears our suffering. Can you think of anything else that we could be more grateful for than a God who hears us? When you lose your job, your loved ones, your joy, God hears. No matter what you're going through, God hears, and your concerns, your fears, your anxieties, your struggles, they come before His face. Thankfulness to God begins with thankfulness for God, and thankfulness for God comes from needing God. When we need God, we, we learn this, this gratitude, this thankfulness for who He is. And our passage tells us about three things that we can be thankful for. They reflect on God and His character. The first is we are thankful for God's power. Second, we're thankful for God's love. And third, we're thankful for God's salvation. Let's read verses 7 through 15. Then the earth reeled and rocked. The foundations also of the mountains trembled and quaked because He was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Glowing coals flamed forth from him. He bowed the heavens and came down. Thick darkness was under his feet. He rode on a cherub and flew. He came swiftly on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his covering, his canopy around him. Thick clouds dark with water. Out of the brightness before him, hailstones and coals of fire broke through his clouds. The Lord also thundered in the heavens, and the Most High uttered his voice, hailstones and coals of fire, and he sent out his arrows and scattered them. He flashed forth lightnings and routed them. Then the channels of the sea were seen, and the foundations of the world were laid bare at your rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of the breath of your nostrils. First, we are thankful for God's power, his all-powerfulness, his omnipotence. We're just thankful that we have a God who's powerful, that he's, he's more powerful than anyone or anything than you can possibly imagine. That's our God. He's all-powerful. We don't believe in a little God. We don't believe in a tiny God. We believe in an all-powerful God. And we see this expressed through the Psalms, where in verse 7, we see God is power, has power over the earth, Then the earth reeled and rocked. Verse 9, God has power over the heavens. He bowed the heavens and came down. Verse 15, then the channels of the sea were seen. God has power over the waters. These are all the different spheres. We see the earth, the heavens, the the sea. God's powerful over everything. And we're not going to read all of chapter 18 this morning. But if we were to read verses 25 through 45, we would see that God is powerful over all the nations. He has power over all peoples over all things, and we're grateful for this power. Not only does he have uh, power over all things, he has the power over false gods, over, over Satan, and over uh, evil spirits that, uh, that seek to deceive. And we see this actually in the passage a little bit. Uh, the nation of Israel had a problem with idolatry, worshiping false gods, Uh, throughout its history in the ancient Near East. And one of the gods in that area was the god Baal. And the the god Baal was a false god, uh, but there were stories of Baal actually going to battle uh, with the sea, with chaos, uh, and with death. And according to the stories, Baal defeated the sea, chaos, and death. Um, uh, But our god also defeats all these things. And not only does that, God defeats Baal And so this passage is is reflecting some of the the theology of the ancient Near East, the false theology, the false beliefs, and saying, no, we believe in a God who is true who is over all these things. Our God is more powerful than all this and Baal. Our God is powerful. And what does he use his power for? How does God use his power? God uses his power to judge his enemies. Verse 8 says, smoke went up from his nostrils. Remember that. Smoke went up from his nostrils. Verse 9, he bowed the heavens and came down. Thick darkness was under his feet. We, get, we, we remember, if you've heard some of the stories, you know, Moses leading the people um, out of exile to Mount Sinai where he received the Ten Commandments uh, and there was fire and, and thick clouds that enveloped the mountain. And, and this is another picture, just a powerful picture that, of God that we're getting here in chapter 18, that our God is a God of power, of, of mightiness, um, and in some ways, hiddenness. And yet, when we cry to God, our cries come before his very face. Remember that? We talked about that in verse 6. It says, my cry to his face. What happens when our cries come up before the very face of God? God. When we've been wrong, when we've been hurt, when sin and the evil in this world has harmed us and we cry out to him, what happens? God gets angry. Verse 9, verse 8, smoke went up from his nostrils. We get this picture of our cries, God's anger. We believe in a God who gets angry, angry at those things that we're put through, Yes, God is all-powerful and he, he, he puts us through many of these things, but God recognizes evil and it makes him mad. And that should be extremely comforting because God not only uses this power to, to judge his enemies, God uses this power to protect his people. Verse 11, and he made darkness his covering, his canopy around him. This word for can- canopy is the word sukkah, which means covering or hut. God, God protects himself Uh, so that even we can't fully see him because it's just too mighty. God is too great. It would would slay us. We we would be dead. We're thankful for God's power. We're thankful that God gets angry at those things that hurt us, at the evils that are done to us. And we see pictures of this actually throughout creation. Uh, I was thinking of... Um, some pictures with animals that, that, that get angry on behalf of their young. And I grew up in Estes Park, Colorado up in the mountains and uh, elk would actually walk around sometimes the town, they were often on the golf course. Um, elk loved golf. And uh, and because of this they would have, there was a sidewalk that went around the lake and it went past the golf course but in the season when the, the mama elk gave birth to their young they'd have to to block off the sidewalk because if you walked by the mama elk that's just given birth she would probably kill you uh, and so th- because the, the elk would get angry they would, they would gore you, they would charge you because they want to protect their young so that's one picture of the, the type of God who who protects us, who cares for us, who gets angry on our behalf uh, or maybe one, you know, I have never been charged well actually it's a different story um, <laughs> But there are some other animals that we see, uh, a picture of a a mama bear. A mama bear will maul you if you go after her young. I know that there are mama bears here who are willing to bring out their claws on behalf of their children. And that is extremely comforting. (laughs) I know that. My love for my mom, I, I'm just so grateful for her because I know that she will bring out her claws on my behalf. And there's nothing more comforting than knowing that there is a God who gets angry on our behalf. We think of a, sometimes we think that, oh, if God gets angry, like that's a bad thing. No, that's a good thing. That's an expression of his love and his care for us, that he's willing to bring out his claws. And when we get to heaven, you know, we don't get to see all the ways that God protects us now, that all the ways that God protects gets mad on our half, but I, when, I, when we get to heaven, I think we'll catch a glimpse of that. Uh, and we recently did a study of the book of Revelation, which is really the full expression of that, that anger, that justice, that flaming nostril. Uh, and we will see God uh, come and, and, and make himself known and uh, take justice on our behalf. Thankfulness to God begins with thankfulness for God. And thankfulness for God uh, begins, comes from needing God. And first, we're thankful for God's power. But what does God do with all this power? Not only does He glorify Himself, but this leads to what we're thankful for next. First, we are thankful for God's power. Second, we are thankful for God's love because God uses His power to express his love for us. Verses 16 through 19. He sent from on high, he took me. He drew me out of many waters. He rescued me from my strong enemy and from those who hated me, for they were too mighty for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. Second, we are thankful for for God's love. In verse 16, God shows us His love by drawing us out of the waters. Waters back then, and I would argue even some today, stand for chaos, for death, for the the unknown. God is saying, I can can reach down and I can pull you out of that chaos, out of that death. I can rescue you because I am a God who is all-powerful. I laid the sea bare. And this reminds us of the nation of Israel when they left Egypt. The nation of Israel, the people of Israel, the Jews were in bondage for 400 years and one day God brought them out of Egypt. Where did he take them through? He took them through the Red Sea. He split the sea and they walked through. And this is a picture of God delivering his people through death, through chaos, bringing them to a broad place. Verse 19, the broad place is the promised land. And God does this same thing Uh, For us, he did it for them because he delights in his people. Verse 19 says, he rescued me because he delighted in me. Isn't that comforting as well? That we have a God who expresses personal affection to us. That we're his beloved. That he loves us, that he cares for us, that he takes pleasure in us. Notice the text does not say, because I was able to swim out of the waters, and earn my Savior's love, earn my God's love. Uh, that's not what the text says. It says, I rescued you. I love you. I delight in you. It's not a lot you have to do, not anything. Second, we are thankful for God's love. But verse 16 also paints a sobering picture that we do go through times where we are. Uh, drowning, that we're, that we're going through life circumstances where everything seems like it's just over our heads. Did you know that drowning actually does not look like drowning? I learned this recently, that drowning doesn't look like drowning. Now, a boating safety website, I, I shared this story and I want to share it with you, uh, shares a picture of, of what drowning actually is like. So if you would listen carefully, I'll I'll read this story. The new captain jumped from the deck, fully dressed and sprinted through the water. A former lifeguard, he kept his eyes on his victim as he headed straight for the couple, swimming between their anchored sports fisher and the beach. I think he thinks you're drowning, the husband said to his wife. They had been splashing each other and she had screamed, but now they were just standing neck deep on the sandbar we're fine what is he doing she asked a little annoyed we're fine the husband yelled waving him off but his captain kept swimming hard move he barked as he sprinted between the stunned owners directly behind them not ten feet away their nine-year-old daughter was drowning safely above the surface in the arms of the captain she burst into tears daddy drowning is a deceptively quiet event People don't splash, they don't scream, they don't yell like you see on TV where they can get attention. It's because they're working so hard on trying to breathe, they have no ability to speak. Uh, they can't kick, they, they begin to, to forget how to, to, to kick with the swim, and their, their arms are out so they can't wave for help. Eyes become glossy. It looks like you're climbing a ladder underwater. This is what drowning is like, and it's hard to miss someone could be drowning in a pool and you wouldn't even know it someone could be drowning here this morning going through circumstances and trials you have no idea they are going through drowning doesn't look like drowning so the question for us is who do we look for to our hope in these moments of desperation Well, just like this story, we have a captain who is more than reliable. We have the captain of heaven who is a most attentive father, who loves us and wants to rescue us, just like 16 said, he sent from on high, he took me, he drew me out of many waters. We have a captain who loves us and can save us. It's my encouragement for you this morning is if you feel like you're drowning, remember those ways that God comes and, and helps us out. He helps us through brothers and sisters in Christ, through people here this morning who might you know, have their feet on the sand, maybe their head's just above water, but they, they can also give a helping hand. They can pray for you and love you and hear what you're going through. I certainly uh, would be willing to talk with you, and, and Dana, I know as well, Drowning doesn't have to end in drowning. It can end in life. And that life begins with the Father through faith in God. And that leads us into our last point of what we can be thankful for. First, we're thankful for God's power. Second, we're thankful for God's love. And third, we're thankful for God's salvation because God provides us salvation. Verses 46 through 50, so we're going to skip ahead. Switch the page here. Verses 46 through 50. We are thankful for God's salvation. Look for that as we read this passage. The Lord lives, and blessed be my rock, and exalted be the God of my salvation, the God who gave me vengeance. And subdued peoples under me, who delivered me from my enemies. Yes, you exalted me above those who rose against me. You rescued me from the man of violence. For this I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations, and sing to your name. Great salvation he brings to his king and shows steadfast love to his anointed, to David and his offspring forever. Third, we are thankful for God's salvation. And how do we know God can provide salvation? Because David proclaims to us, and this we confess here at Emmanuel, that our God lives. Verse 46, Yahweh lives. Our God is not like the God Baal, that when he went through his battles, it was said that he died, and then he resuscitated, and he died, and then he resuscitated, so that when the worshipers of Baal worshipped Baal, they had to say, Baal lives, Baal is dead, Baal lives, Baal is dead. Our God lives our God is alive what does God do with this power with this life he sends life to us through his son Christ Jesus see our God was willing to die on our behalf by sending his son Christ Jesus to die for us and how do I know that this passage points to Christ well it does verses 48 49 and 50 verse 48 talks about our God delivering verse 49 the nation's Verse 50, to salvation. And that salvation was provided through Christ Jesus. We actually see the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, so we're talking several hundred years later, thousand years later, uh, writing uh, in Romans chapter 15, verses 8 through 9, and he actually references Psalm 1849, saying that this psalm uh, applies to Jesus, and that's how we know. Psalm 1849 references Romans 15, 8 through 9. And it says that Jesus provides salvation whether you're a Jew, a Gentile, a Jew, or non-Jew. God provides salvation. So I'm going to read Romans 15, 8 through 9. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth, so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed, and moreover, that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written... Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing praises of your name. And that's a quote from 49. For this, I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations and sing to your name. What do we have to be thankful for? We have a God who came in the flesh, Christ Jesus, and was willing to die on our behalf. Not go through meaningless death to die so that we might live. And we see the anointed of David, verse 50, that's a reference to Christ, the Messiah. Messiah means anointed one. The anointed of David is Jesus. And Jesus will have God's favor forever. David uh, shows steadfast love to his anointed, to David and his offspring forever. This is a reference first and foremost to Christ, then all those who follow Christ, who trust in him. And so our question is what is our number one reason to be thankful for? We're thankful for God for who he is, for his power, for his love. But I think the one that often hits home the most is we're so thankful for the salvation that Christ Jesus gives us. That if you put your trust in Jesus, follow after him, love him, it's because he first loved you. Was willing to die on a tree, on a cross to become a curse. Jesus was willing to become a curse on our behalf so that we could escape the curse, so that we could escape the fall, so that we could have eternal life. What is there more to be thankful for than that? What Jesus has done for us. Earlier in the book, um, in, in, in Psalm 18, there was verses 20 through 24 or 25, David talks about being righteous, being blameless before God. There's only one way that we can stand blameless before God. That's that if God takes our sins upon his son, Christ Jesus, and then gives us the blameless life of Jesus, gives us the holy and perfect life of his son. We are thankful for God's salvation. Sometimes it's hard to be thankful. I know that I often struggle with thankfulness and I'm sure many of you do as well. That We always want more and more and more and we forget that we have so much. In God, we, we have the very power of God. We have the love of God. We have the salvation of God expressed through Christ Jesus. So my encouragement to you this week is to remember what God has done for you and be thankful. God loves you. Thankfulness to God begins with thankfulness for god let's pray father god it is my prayer for these people for your people that they would have hearts marked by thankfulness by gratitude for you for what you have done for us through christ jesus we love you so much and we're so grateful for everything you've done for us help us Uh, to spread this this love, to share this love through talking about the message of Jesus. Help us have heart attitudes that reflect just how much Christ has done on our behalf, how much you have done on our behalf, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Please rise for the benediction. This is actually Solomon's benediction, and it comes from 1 Kings 8. Fifty-nine through 60. And may these words of mine, with which I have made supplication before the Lord, be near to the, the Lord our God day and night, that he may maintain the cause of his servant and the cause of his people Israel as each day requires, so that all the people of the earth may know that the Lord is God, there is no one else. Amen.